Hey, good morning, everybody. Time for Daily Bible Study with Matt. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on here with me. And today's topic is going to be a great one. We're going to be talking about salvation. Is it a destination for the end of your life or is it an invitation to starting a new life right now? All right. Thank you so much for jumping on with me this morning. Hey, today's is going to be a really fun topic to dig into. Um, you know, as I wrestle with scripture often, my wife and I do devotionals every morning together. Uh, one topic that has constantly been on my radar, and I wrote about it. If you if you have not uh, had a chance to grab a copy of my book, there's a book that I wrote called Now I See, uh, and it's called Looking for Jesus in Christianity. And it's available on Amazon. I'll put a link in the comments for everybody uh, after this is over. But um, one of the things that I wrestle with is salvation conversation. Um, I was part of an amazing, uh, loving small group back in Michigan. And one of the things that was said often was like talking about like, um, you know, how many people got saved. Uh, and I hear that con that 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 statement made a lot in church, and um, and I and I know there's a good heart behind it. So know that as I'm saying this, um, I'm not I'm not uh, not attacking people for that mindset. As a matter of fact, in the Christian faith, we've been taught all the time that um, you know being a Christian is about helping people get saved. But one of the things that I've always wrestled with with that statement is that there is some part of that statement, and, and again, it may just be a word choice, that makes it feel like there's something I can do to get saved, as if Jesus uh, wasn't powerful enough or strong enough to get it done on his own. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today, um, and I will just share with you real quick, if you, uh, if you do want to grab a copy of my book, Now I See, Looking for Jesus in Christianity, you can head over to Amazon.com and get it. Uh, just type in my name. You'll see all the books I've written. But if you type in uh, Now I See in my name, you'll see this. If you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, you can actually download it to your Kindle 100% free. Or if you want a paperback copy, you can pick one up for $9.99 on Amazon. So uh, go check it out. I think you'll enjoy the book. Um, and before I dig into today's teaching, there are a couple things I just want to point out. First and foremost, if you're uh, if you're not yet subscribed, please head over to youtube.com forward slash Jesus way and get subscribed. Um, that way you'll always get notified when I've got new teachings and things that I upload to YouTube. And uh, if you have any prayer requests or, uh, or you have questions or you're wrestling with your Bible, or if you need a Bible, uh, you can drop me an email at matt at besaltandlight.church. That's matt at besaltandlight.church. And uh, my wife, Dara, and I would love to send a Bible to you. We'd love to be praying for you. Uh, no matter what your prayer needs are. So feel free to drop an email there. And you might be like, besaltlight.church, what's that? Well, that's the new URL for the new house church project that we're going to be kicking off here really soon. So you can head over to besaltandlight.church and uh, you can drop your email in there if you'd like to get updated on that. But we really feel like God is calling us to help um, be calling us to be disciple makers that help equip other disciple makers. So uh, we would love to have you join us on that. Think of it like small group over the internet uh, to be able to dig in, uh, wrestle with God's word uh, with a community of people uh, who just are passionate about following Jesus. So without further ado, I want to dig into today's study. So 
Today's study, uh, I want to look at Romans 5. Now, um, just a heads up, I can't see everybody's comments unless you're commenting on my page, which you are. Adam, what's up, brother? Good to see you. Thank you so much for jumping on. Love you, bro. And appreciate you being on here with me this morning. I think you're going to find this to be uh, an interesting Bible study conversation and a very good one. And listen, I also want to tell everybody, when you're seeing me do online teaching or, or, or live Bible study, I am not telling you how you should think. I'm sharing with you the things that I wrestle with through the scriptures and the things that I feel like God is guiding me to. And I always want to encourage you to open your Bible and wrestle with God's word. Let me say that again. Open your Bible, wrestle with God's word. Do not listen to me or any other pastor preacher, whether it's Billy Graham or Benny Hinn. Uh, don't just take another person at their word. Spend time in God's word and in prayer. Uh, so don't think that as I share this, love you too, bro. Don't think that as I share this uh, today that I'm telling you how you have to believe. I, I love that God has given us free will and the freedom to, to get to know him and to listen to his Holy Spirit. But I, I do want to challenge you to wrestle with God's word as we go into what I'm reading today. So Speaking of that, let's dig into it. I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 5. We've got it pulled up here on BibleGateway.com. Uh, if you uh, have a phone, you can always download the, the Bible app um, as well. Uh, it just says Bible, it's little brown square. Uh, it's totally free, but a great resource. You can look at all the different versions, translations. Uh, we're using the Christian Standard Bible this morning. So I'm going to dig in and read here. And I'm going to... I'm going to um, Go a little verse by verse, because here's the question today. Here's, I guess I probably should have started with this. Today's question is this. Is salvation a destination for the end of your life on earth? Or is salvation an invitation to begin your new life right now? Is salvation a destination? Is it all about going to heaven? Is it a destination for when your life on earth ends? Or is it an invitation to begin living your new life right now? And that's what we're digging into today. So in Romans, we're going to talk about um, Romans chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 6. Uh, this is Paul writing a letter to the, to the church in Rome, to the, to the Roman church. And it says this, and this is from the Christian Standard Bible. It says, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I'm going to stop right after that verse. This is a big one. It says, while we were still helpless. Well, if you're helpless, it means you can't help yourself. And it says, while that moment was there, while there was nothing we could do, Jesus died for us. Let's continue. Paul says, for rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pause right there on that for a moment. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, the interesting part there is he didn't say, after you made the decision to follow Jesus, his death for you was made valid. He didn't say, after you accepted Christ in your life. He didn't say, after you changed course and were no longer intentionally aiming at a path of sin, Christ died for you. He actually says, while we were still sinners. Whew, Christ died for us. 
And this is what, it just gets more and more beautiful as you read through this. He says, how, and by the way, the Roman church, if you know anything about what's going on back there, like the people of Rome lived a pretty debaucherous lifestyle. I mean, and uh, they, they had, oh my gosh, orgies all the time, sacrifices to crazy gods. Like it was, it was a, a culture, well, much like America today, to be honest. It was one that surely uh, was loaded with all kinds of temptation that would pull away from God. So remember that the, the church in Rome that Paul's writing to, they, they've been in a culture and environment that wouldn't make it the easiest to go, hey, I want to follow this, this Hebrew God. So it's kind of, kind of a big deal, guys, but let's keep going. So verse 9 says, how much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath. See, so Paul's talking about the justification that happens, right? When, when we, you know, we make the decision to follow Christ, when we get baptized, right? We're like, hey, I'm in the family. But he's saying, how much more then since we've been justified, will we be saved from the wrath? So it's interesting because he says, Jesus died for us while we were at our worst. And then he says, uh, but now since we've been justified by his blood, like since that death, washed over our sin, since his death cleaned us up, then how much more will we be saved through? Interesting. And he goes on, he says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that again. For while, if while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. He didn't say through us accepting the death. He doesn't say, through us saying the magic words in a prayer, he says, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, okay? So if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been, been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? So Paul paints this picture here. The death of Jesus is what reconciled to us, us to God. But he says, how much more will we be saved by his life. See, we don't, we don't follow a, a Jesus who's dead. We follow a living Jesus, right? A Jesus who, who lived in heaven with God, shook off his deity, came down, walked the earth in a skin suit like you and me, was born a baby, had to learn how to speak, talk, walk, study the Torah, did it all. He was a human being on this planet. And then he was put to death to wipe away our sin and then raised back to life. Paul says, not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Now, here's what I, I just love the direction that this continues to go as Paul is sharing this with, with the church in Rome. And that squeak was our dog, Bonnie, in the background, by the way. She's so cute. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. There is something we have to acknowledge. Look, none of us are perfect. We, we've all sinned. We've all turned away from God. We've all done things to, to be apart from God. And that came into the world through Adam is what Paul's re referencing Genesis here. It says, in fact, sin was in the world before the law. Now, the law being Torah, okay, talking about on earth, 
sin came here before Torah was written by, you know, Moses penned the first five books of the Bible. So sin came before that, okay? Now it's interesting though, because we have to really pay attention to these next words, okay? It says, in, uh, so in this way, sin spread to all because all sin. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Those are interesting words to wrestle with. Nevertheless, though it's funny because Paul goes, okay, nevertheless, right? Like, okay, in spite of all that, let's keep talking. So he says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. So even people who basically, he's saying, look, even people that you know, didn't walk down this path of, oh, I'm going to intentionally disobey you, God. He's saying, nevertheless, even those who didn't do what Adam did, sin still reigned in their lives too. Death still came to everyone, right? Death came to all of us. We were, when God created humanity, there wasn't supposed to be an expiration date on our lives, but sin came into the world and we got one. So it says he is a type of the coming one. Adam was a you know, a reference for the rest of humanity it says this though. And this is what's beautiful. Cause that was talking about sin and the trespass against God. Right. But listen to Paul's words here, but the gift gift being salvation, Jesus, birth, death, resurrection. But the gift is not like the trespass for if by one man's trespass, one man being Adam, uh, many died, how much more, how much more, have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. So as Paul points out, he said, look, if one man, one human, Adam, could could screw it up for all of us, right? Could, could, could bring sin to earth, physical death comes to earth. If that could happen because of Adam, because of one guy, how much more powerful is the gift that Jesus brought. See, we look at sin all the, oftentimes like everybody, you know, sin hit the earth, it hit the planet. We're all screwed because of it. And it's by us taking the action step that we, that we get like freed from that sin. Well, we do need to take an action step, but I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you with why here in just a moment. But what Paul seems to be painting a picture of is look, Nothing you could do could get you out of that sin mess. See, we often in the Christian faith think of this sin cycle. But I heard a great statement on the Baymont podcast that I'll share with you guys. Uh, they said, I hate the word sin cycle because it, it's like we're focusing on the sin. Something uh, I actually heard our, our Pastor Bobby talk about, which was great, was, um, was he said, you know, sometimes we give the devil too much credit. Okay. And I, and I think he's so right. We often talk about this sin cycle, but the guys in Baymont said this. They said, they prefer to refer to it as the redemption cycle. See, because in spite of what we keep doing, God just keeps forgiving. It was like in my devotional this morning I was reading, God keeps hitting the delete button, thanks to Jesus, right? So let's let's continue with what Paul is saying here, okay? So he says, the gift is not like trespass for of one man, if through one man many died, how much more have the grace of God that came through Jesus? Verse 16, and the gift is not like the one man's sin because from one man's sin came, uh, from, one, ugh, from one sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation. Pause, but Jesus later says, 
I didn't come to condemn. I came to restore, right? So, so here we go. So, uh, because from one sin, came, from one sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses, okay. So after this, we get all these trespasses, all these sins. But from all that came the gift. See, there was a need for God to redeem us, and it resulted in justification. It says this: if by one man's trespass, okay. And another word for justification would be acquittal, like forgiveness. If by one man, verse 17, if by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the, that overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So if Adam's sin could bring so much hell on earth, so much torment, so much hurt, so much damage because of what he did. And we didn't ask for it. We didn't go, hey, we want that too, Adam. We accept your sin into our lives. No, that brought sin to earth and we got it. I think every Christian, everyone who says, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, or I'm, a, I'm Jewish. Everyone gets the concept that what Adam chose in the beginning of the story we are reaping the, the nasty harvest of that called sin. So if by that, if through his mistake, the whole world, you know, death could be brought to all of us, how much more will we receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness through Jesus, right? Whose action is more powerful, the action of Adam or the action of Jesus? See, that's the picture I see Paul painting here. We put so much focus as Christians on the damage that Adam did, and we think we still have to do something to get through it, but I think we're seeing a bigger message in God's redemption cycle in this overarching story throughout the scriptures. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it in with these last couple of verses, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land it with, with what I want to encourage you to think about moving forward. It says, so then as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. So then as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. All right. So here's where we're going to bring it home and wrap it up for the morning. The scriptures teach us, and, and, and I'll address your comment in just a second, Adam. The scriptures teach us that through Adam, death hit the planet. And as Paul is saying here, if that was powerful enough for everyone to be under the weight of sin, how much stronger is what Jesus did? How much bigger and better is his grace? Now, Here's what I want to challenge you with today. Oftentimes we view our salvation. We view being a Christian as getting saved and we got to get people saved. But I want to challenge you by asking, what did Jesus do if you need to do something to get someone saved? Now, notice I didn't say we don't want people to know Jesus. Jesus called us to make disciples of him. He didn't call us to go save people. Because according to the scriptures, that was Jesus' job, and he did it, and he did it well. But perhaps we need to, instead of looking at 
salvation as this destination of getting saved so we can get to heaven. Perhaps we need to view salvation and what Jesus did, that redemption, as an invitation. An invitation to live life following him, to live life the way God intended and called us to live it, and to realize it doesn't stop with us. Jesus' death wasn't just so Matt, the sinner, could be saved, or Adam, the sinner, could be saved. Jesus' death was so that all could be saved. But the challenge is that many people on earth don't realize what Jesus did for them. See, we're looking at people as though they weren't, Jesus didn't die for them, or they weren't saved. We look at them as people who are still unsaved. But when we read the scriptures, it doesn't say that. It says he died for everyone. It says he brought that justification for everyone. He gave that grace and that gift for everyone. It's not for me and you to decide who gets it and who doesn't and who's saved and who isn't, but it is for me and you to follow Christ's command and making disciples. It is for me and you to help people realize the gift that God has given us through Jesus, the gift that Jesus gave us by willingly laying down his life for us for all of us. See, if we're followers of Jesus, we need to let people know that God loves them too. We need to let people know that while they don't yet love God back, just like Paul said to the Romans, while we were helpless, while we were sinners, Jesus did this for us. And that's the message I see Paul encouraging the Romans, which, listen, us in America, that's who we're really like. Uh, so we could take a lesson from this. He didn't go to them and go, listen, Jesus died, but he didn't do it for you until you get it. Perhaps the lesson that we're supposed to take is that we should follow a cue from Paul and more importantly from Jesus, which is even when people don't get it, even when people haven't yet made that decision, let's love them. Let's let them know that God loves them. Let's let them know that Jesus loves them and let them know that, look, he, he loves you even when you don't love him back. He loved you before you were even born. He loved you before you even come to realize that you need his love. His love is there, was there, and will always be there. So if somebody loves you like that, why wouldn't you want to get to know them? And why wouldn't you love them back? See, I believe there are multiple ways that people can come to that point in their life where they decide to follow Jesus. But I struggle because if the decision to follow Jesus is so that I can get to heaven, well, I kind of feel like I'm making it all about me. I kind of feel a little selfish looking at it that way. And if following Jesus is about avoiding hellfire, well, I'm still making it. Now I'm making a decision out of fear, which again becomes about saving my own butt which means it's all about me. But if following Jesus is about a response, an inspiration to follow an invitation into a better life that starts now, see that to me, loving someone back because they loved me first, now that's the kind of love and inspiration that lasts eternally. Or eternally. That's the kind of love that lasts for a lifetime to me. And I want to encourage you, don't follow Jesus out of fear of hell. He already bought and paid for your ticket out of that place. 
don't follow Jesus uh, because you want to get somewhere else and treat this life like, uh, hey, this is just my, my, you know, I'm rolling on this ball of dirt in my meat suit until I get to my super cool angel outfit. Don't think of it like that. Right now, we have an opportunity to bring heaven to earth, to bring that love of God to people on earth and to experience that love of God in our own lives right here today. And we'll get to experience it in the age to come too. That's just a, that's a bonus. Don't wait to experience all the love and goodness that God has and don't keep it to yourself. Let people know God loves them too. Even if they don't believe in him, that doesn't mean he doesn't love them or believe in them. Remember that. Now I'm going to address one comment my man Adam put on here before I wrap this up. He said, faith without, and then we'll pray. He says, faith without works is dead. We have to renew ourselves every day and from there be salt and light unto the world and preach good news to everyone. Yes, Adam, agreed. Um, except for, I'm going to, I'm going to push back just a itty bitty bit on what James wrote there. Um, or our interpretation of it is probably really more what I'm pushing back on. What are the works we're supposed to do? Right, Because we can say, I love Jesus, but as it says in 1 John, as we see throughout the scriptures, uh, we can acknowledge him with our lips, but if we don't love, uh, just like it says in 1 Corinthians, actually, too, um, right? If, if, I, if I do all these amazing things that people associate with God, but I don't have love, then none of it means anything. So faith without works is dead, but what are the works? I would challenge everyone to say the works are, well, they all hang on the, what, what Jesus answered in the most important commandment. When somebody said, what's the most important commandment? Adonai is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God with all you've got. And the second one, which is so close to that, is love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the works that we're called to do. We're called to love God. That's the work we're supposed to put in. And if we love God, we're going to love his creation. Those are the works I believe that James is speaking of at the core. Okay? So, how do we be salt and light? Well, Jesus talked about it, right? You're to be the salt of the earth. What does salt do? The message translation makes it really, it's just a really beautiful way to say it. But salt seasons things, right? Makes them taste good. So if the way we're sharing the gospel doesn't sound appealing to someone who doesn't know Jesus, if it sounds like a hammer hitting a nail, if it sounds like condemnation, then our salt is losing its saltiness which is why the world tramples all over those words and talks about the hypocrisy of our Christian church, right? Because we're out there, uh, we're throwing darts at people uh, instead of loving people and sharing what Jesus shared, okay? So just, I, I want to challenge you guys to wrestle with that. I'm not challenging you to change your thinking to my thinking, but I'm challenging you to wrestle with the scripture. And here's a tip. I say it a lot, and I'll say it again, and then we'll close in prayer. When you read something in the Bible, always check it against the red letters because Jesus is the only one who ever, ever put a foot on this planet and did it perfectly. He's the only one without sin that has ever touched this earth. Everything in the scriptures before, we get to see the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, and we get to see the story of what's leading up to the redemption that happens through Jesus. Everything after Jesus, we get to read about the start of the church and other people trying to figure out how do we live what Jesus taught. See, before Jesus, there's a story of imperfect people. After Jesus, story of imperfect people. While Jesus walked the earth, we get to see also the story of one perfect man. So his words are never wrong. 
everything we check, whether it's James, Moses, Paul, you name it, check it against the red letters. If they don't align, one of a couple situations. One, we misunderstand it. Two, the interpretation just doesn't do it justice. Or three, maybe what the human being writer is doing is showing us an example of how they're not perfect too. Let's close in prayer. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for another day to live and another opportunity to live for you. God, I pray that my words would not be taken by people as your words, but that they would encourage people to get into your word, encourage them to look at you from different perspectives. Lord, regardless, help us to represent you well. Help us to be salt and light on this earth. Help us to share your love and help us to, as my friend Chris says, not just talk about it, but be about it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys. Love you. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube, boom, youtube.com, Jesus Way. Go subscribe. If you haven't gotten a copy of my book, uh, Now I See, uh, Looking for Jesus and Christianity, head over to amazon.com, grab yourself a copy. I'm pretty confident that you will find it to be a good read. Uh, and I'll get some of these little things out of the way here so that uh, y'all can actually see the uh, the book <laughs> so you know what to go grab on Amazon and what it looks like. So you can head over to amazon.com, grab yourself a copy of that. If you're interested in it, it is called Now I See, Looking for Jesus in Christianity. Uh, it tells a story about how I came to faith. Uh, some of you guys don't know this, but I got my ordination about 16 years ago. And then I took about a six or seven year hiatus walking away from the God that I knew and loved uh, because of my own crisis of faith and how I came back. So check it out. I think you'll like it. If you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, you can read it for free. If you're not, you can grab it for 10 bucks, including shipping if you're a Prime member. Thanks again for tuning in. And listen, no matter where you're at in your life, you are only one moment away from walking with Jesus. So can I encourage you? Get to know him and choose him today. Love you guys. See you tomorrow.